Yes, he did. <laughs> this is truly a historic day. The ACA, how, how long have we had the ACA now? We've had the ACA for almost nine years to the day. Politico's Dan Diamond has been watching the Affordable Care Act debate for more than a decade. To be honest, Dan didn't think we'd still be talking about Obamacare quite this much this many years later. After a year of debate, after a historic vote, health care reform is no longer an unmet promise. It is the law of the land. I remember vividly the day that the ACA finally passed after this long battle uh, through Congress, through President Obama lobbying for it, I went to a pool and just just kind of collapsed and stared up at the ceiling of, of the pool because I didn't know what to do. It felt like the, the ACA fight was finally over. But a couple of days after that, then-Congressman Mike Pence got up on the floor of the House and said, we should repeal the ACA, start over again. And Republicans applauded. If we repeal Obamacare, if we repeal Obamacare, we can start over with common sense solutions at a lower cost and create jobs. That was nine years ago. I mean, nine years ago, almost to the day. And here we are with the ACA being debated yet again. The Trump administration on Monday night said in, in a terse letter, in two sentences, that they agreed with a Texas judge that the law should be struck down. Now, President Donald Trump has railed against the Affordable Care Act for two years. Campaigned on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Trump Trump made his opposition to Obamacare and his promise that he would come up with something better, cheaper. He, he made that a signature policy that hasn't happened. But what had happened in the courts is the Trump administration said, OK, we, we want part of the ACA to go away. But there are also lots of parts of the law that we want to keep. Now, the DOJ, the Justice Department, is, is saying differently. Now they want the entire law to disappear. But scrapping the ACA completely, it creates a different set of problems. Because over the last decade, the whole healthcare system has adapted to this law. It's changed how hospitals and doctors get paid. There have been other parts of the ACA, too, that are not even obvious uh, health care reforms. Calorie counts on menus, for instance. Some of that dates back to the Affordable Care Act. This was a really big law. And yes, there have been multiple attempts to try and take it down. And yet here we are. It's, it's still standing, though the new news out of, out of Texas and the Trump administration poses yet another threat. Yeah. I mean, if the ACA went away tomorrow, what would that look like? It would look like chaos, Mary. I'm Mary Harris. Today on the show, what next for the Affordable Care Act? And what happens if the whole thing just goes away? Dan Diamond is going to stay with us. You should too. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Conservatives have been challenging the Affordable Care Act in court for a bunch of years. Do you even know how many cases there are out there? 
there have been five or six major challenges to the ACA. Some of them have been rolled up and bundled together, but this has come before the Supreme Court every couple years. And the Supreme Court has made changes to the Affordable Care Act that have rolled back some of its expansions. For instance, the Medicaid expansion was originally going to be all across the nation. Back in 2012, Chief Justice John Roberts struck a compromise. He said he would keep large parts of the Affordable Care Act, but he would make the Medicaid expansion optional. So already we are living in a world where the Affordable Care Act has been modified because of these court challenges. So the courts have been tinkering with this since this bill was born. But we're going to talk about this one case, Texas versus Azar. 20 AGs, including Texas, they're arguing that the ACA is unconstitutional? This is a case brought by Republican attorneys general, uh, led by Texas, which has a, a very solid strategy for being able to bring these cases because they've got a judge that they target who will roll back, consistently roll back the Obama uh, administration's rules. This, this case centers on the idea that because Congress got rid of a penalty for the individual mandate in the Affordable Care Act, the idea that if I don't get health coverage, Mary, if you don't get health coverage, we have to pay a fine, Congress got rid of that fine. The Republican attorneys general and the judge in Texas who agreed with them have, have argued that because that penalty doesn't exist anymore, the entire Affordable Care Act now should not stand, that it should be struck down. And back in December, a judge in Texas agreed with him, right? And he gave this decision that was really wide ranging. It basically said, yeah, the whole Affordable Care Act has to go. Yes, that's right. That's Justice Reed O'Connor. He's a George W. Bush appointee. He practices in a small division on the border of Oklahoma and Texas. And because he's in the small division, there are ways to kind of steer cases right to him where conservatives have a pretty solid expectation that he's going to rule in their favor. Yeah, he's ruled against family leave for gay couples and he's ruled against trans students over bathrooms. So he really he seems to have history here. But what stood out to me was that when he came out with this ruling, no one quite knew what to make of it in the beginning. So they thought, oh, my gosh, this judge has basically overturned the ACA. And then everyone said, OK, well, it's going to be appealed. It's fine. But like every lawyer came out and said the way the decision was made doesn't make sense and is dangerous. Like the Wall Street Journal editorial board said, no one opposes Obamacare more than we do, but they still came out against the ruling. Legally, uh, Judge O'Connor's view is, is generally seen as a fringe position. Even some lawyers who have previously tried to strike down the Affordable Care Act said that it's ridiculous. This idea that because Congress got rid of one relatively small part of the law, this entire giant piece of legislation should now fall. And yet the Trump administration now is saying they agree with that, that decision, which is a notable change in, in opinion. Yeah. Tell me about this letter the Department of Justice sent this week. The Trump administration had previously said it wanted part of the Affordable Care Act to be struck down, but not the whole thing. This new letter that the Trump administration sent on Monday says, we've changed our mind, essentially. We agree that the entire ACA should now fall. And that was striking because no one expected that the new attorney general, Attorney General Bill Barr, would go even further than, than his predecessor, Jeff Sessions, who had already staked out a, a questionable legal position on whether the Affordable Care Act was legal. For many lawyers, this letter is problematic because of what it means for the rule of law. The idea here is, if the Department of Justice can pick and choose what laws to defend, 
which rules are going to hold up and which rules won't? The idea that the United States government is going to pick and choose which laws it's defending, that that is seen as an explosive idea. This has almost never happened before. And imagine a world where the next president says, you know what, I, I don't believe in certain laws around whether prisoners should have access to lawyers, or I don't believe that certain people should have the right to vote, even though these are laws that are, are set in stone. If the administration starts picking and choosing which laws it's going to defend in court, that could very quickly lead to a lawless society. And in this case, the Trump administration said last year, it told the lawyers in the Department of Justice who had spent years defending the Affordable Care Act, we don't need you to defend this law anymore. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to drop our defense. That was a staggering move in the legal community. In fact, the senior lawyer in the Department of Justice quit the government over this issue. So this has already been explosive for months. Now the Trump administration is going further than it did before, rather than just dropping its defense and saying, yeah, part of the ACA should be uh, struck down. Now the White House is saying, get rid of the whole thing. I mean, to be fair, the Obama administration, they refused to defend some laws too. Like they refused to defend the Defense of Marriage Act. What makes this different? That's exactly the argument that conservatives will point to, that the Obama administration did this first, that they changed position on, on essentially gay marriage. Why can't the Trump administration change position on health care? And I, I, I think the, the argument in response would, would focus on two things. First, gay marriage is, is more of a social issue uh, where social positions can evolve. We, we have changed our thinking on who should have the right to vote. What civil rights should be enshrined in our society? Healthcare is a little different in that there are now systems of hospitals, of, of doctors. Billions of dollars are now built around the Affordable Care Act. Not that civil rights aren't extremely important, but this is now a system that has been baked in to the U.S. economy, to how healthcare is provided. There are 20 million people plus who get their health insurance through this law. There are significant immediate consequences if the law is overturned. And I think the second point is that the Trump administration didn't just say we don't like Obamacare. President Trump had promised there would be a replacement for Obamacare. There is no replacement on the horizon. So that's why it strikes so many people as capricious, Mary, that the administration now wants to get rid of a law where there's no strategy to protect people who would be harmed by getting rid of it. The other interesting thing you're saying when you talk about how deeply baked in the ACA just is to our country now is that there's money at stake, like big money. Healthcare is a huge part of our economy. And I wonder how hospitals and health insurers are responding to the fact that the Trump administration seems to be saying, we're going to blow this up. I, I can tell you how they're responding. They're they're very upset. I've talked with some hospital groups uh, this morning on Tuesday who say we weren't expecting the Trump administration to support the Affordable Care Act, but but this is going further than, than we could have uh, thought. And urging the administration to change course or urging Congress and others to find ways to protect the Affordable Care Act. Th this law really is the law of the land in healthcare. There, there are folks who will grumble about it like they will with any sitting law, but they have gotten used to it. There is a whole system that has cropped up around this nearly decade-old legislation. You know, the other thing you've reported on is the fact that even though the Trump administration is publicly against the Affordable Care Act, they're still using the law to accomplish 
all sorts of goals. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what how is the Trump administration working with the law to do things it wants to get done? You know, I made a list on on Twitter of six priorities that the Trump administration has that it's using the Affordable Care Act to accomplish. I, I could have easily made that a 60 point list. Some of the top priorities that President Trump has carved out, like fighting the HIV epidemic or, or ending the opioid crisis, those goals depend on the coverage expansion in the Affordable Care Act, some of the protections for patients. So a patient who has HIV or AIDS and might want to see a doctor under the Affordable Care Act, that person now has protections where he or she can't be denied insurance coverage. Under the Affordable Care Act, there is treatment for addiction for millions of Americans who are suffering from opioid misuse. So they might argue on the on the legal side that they want this law to go away, but I know for a fact that leaders of the health department are counting on the Affordable Care Act to accomplish their goals. The timing here seems nuts to me. President Trump has just had a couple of days that are pretty good for him. You know, the beginnings of the Mueller report are sort of beginning to get out there and he's celebrating publicly and talking about how the 2020 Democratic presidential candidates are, you know, they can't talk about this anymore, but they do want to talk about health care. <laughs> and it seems to me that he's basically handed them a weapon here where they can now be the candidates who are saying, we're not trying to take away your health insurance. I can't get over the timing either. One reason I was so shocked by the timing, Mary, is because the headlines Tuesday were poised to be totally different on healthcare, And I, I, I know because I had pre-written one of them. <laughs> De Democrats were going to unveil this, this package of healthcare legislation that was widely seen as kind of disappointing. It, it wasn't going to be new ideas to bring Medicare for all to everybody. These were kind of smaller compromise bills to just shore up the Affordable Care Act. It was seen as kind of boring. But instead, the Trump administration handed them the best possible news hook they could have. And when Nancy Pelosi, the, the Speaker of the House and other Democrats went out today, they were able to say, look, we are out there defending your health care. They would not have been able to say that if the Trump administration hadn't made this new decision. You know, we started out by talking about that Texas case where the Department of Justice is advocating for overturning the ACA completely. What's coming next in that case? What comes next is that we will have oral arguments in the Court of Appeals, the Fifth Circuit of, uh, Court of Appeals, which They're really is, conservative, right? Yeah, yeah. And they've gotten more conservative under President Trump. I, I believe four or maybe five of the 17 slots on that court are Trump appointees. So there's a good chance that someone appointed by President Trump will help decide what comes next. Now, if that court decides they agree with the decision to strike down the Affordable Care Act, maybe they fully agree, maybe they agree in part, there probably would be a stay in judgment. So nothing immediate would happen. And that case would get appealed again, all the way up to the Supreme Court. And now we're talking about a case that could land in the middle of the 2020 election and really define where the candidates stand on healthcare in America. Yeah, you've said there is a scenario here where this goes to the Supreme Court, and if the court rules somehow in Trump's favor, makes more, further constricts the Affordable Care Act, then whatever happens in the healthcare marketplace, whoever's sitting in the president's chair in 2021 
it's kind of their mess to clean up. That's right. I, I think it's it's not a high probability scenario. Uh, Chief Justice John Roberts has already ruled several times, essentially, to keep most of the Affordable Care Act intact. But the, the court leans more conservative than it did a couple of years ago, uh, thanks to President Donald Trump and, and his appointees. And there are opportunities to roll back parts of this law in ways that could end up being pretty damaging to people who depend on the ACA for their health coverage. I just, I can't get over, like, who is the political operative who is like, let's do this. Like, let's let's explode. It really just seems like such a gift to the other side. Like, uh, I, just don't, I don't know what the end game is, frankly. <laughs> I, I think the end game, Mary, will be that the ACA will probably survive. Or die a spectacular death and be replaced <laughs> by Medicare for all. I, I think I think that's what some Democrats are, are perversely hoping for, that the Trump administration is going to hand them a burning platform for the need for universal health care. And, and whoever is president in 2021 will be able to point and say, look, I, I'm going to do better than the last guy. This is my solution that we don't have to fight about the Affordable Care Act anymore. Instead, let's move all the way to single payer. I, I do think the trend in America has always been more coverage, not less. So even though there are setbacks, even though parts of the ACA have been struck down or constrained, more Americans are covered by health insurance now than at any point in history. Theoretically, that will continue to trend in, in a positive direction just because there's so much effort on getting people covered one way or another, whether it's through the ACA or another mean. Hmm. Amazing how long it takes for us to get there, though. Amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. That train is a slow train. In, in the United States, that's right. Other countries have a bullet train to healthcare coverage. We're, we're, we're taking the, uh, the slow caboose. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure, Mary. Thank you for having me. Dan Diamond is a healthcare reporter for Politico, and he's the host of the Politico Pulse Check podcast. Before I let you go, one last rabbit hole I jumped down today. Space fashion. Friday was supposed to be a historic day for NASA. They were going to do their first ever all-female spacewalk from the International Space Station. They had these two veteran astronauts who were going to go out there, Christina Cook and Anne McLean. But the thing is, to walk in space... You need a spacesuit, obviously. These things cost millions of dollars. And there's only one fully prepped suit that's sized medium. That was a problem. Because both of these female astronauts needed it. So NASA scrapped the whole thing, announced they were going to replace Anne McLean with a male astronaut, a guy who was not competing for that medium-sized suit, he had his pick of suits, really. NASA does say that they think this history-breaking all-female spacewalk is bound to happen sometime soon. But I guess we all just have to hope that that female astronaut wears a large. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. We are here 
every weekday. If you like what you're hearing, go on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. We're checking them out. And even more than that, they help people find us. And we love that too. All right. Talk to you tomorrow.